I need you every hour. I need you. This is the truth of the gospel. It's easy to think that someone else needs him, but the reality is that we each individually need Jesus. We live in a world that is broken. Um, we live in a world overrun with sin and the consequences of that. From murders happening on our west and south side to broken families to those who use other people for their own means, to those who are fleeing other countries seeking peace and welcome here who aren't being welcomed. We live in a broken world. And the beauty for those who've read the scriptures know that in the end, Jesus makes all things new. That there will be a perfect peace. And the reality is, is that Jesus wants to renew things today. It's not simply a, a sweet by and by story. We don't simply have to wait for eternity. But God has called his people, he's called us, the children of God, to be involved in the mission of restoring all things to his reign, his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So today I want to look at Luke chapter 5, the first 11 verses. And I want to see how Jesus invites people into this mission. Again, to restore all things to himself, to be fisher, fishers of people. Read with me Luke chapter 5, starting with verse 1. It says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked them to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all and we took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Father, we come before you 
as broken people who live in a broken world. And Lord God, we want you to speak a fresh word to us. God, we want you to minister to our souls, Lord God, encourage us in your truth. God, we want to be people, Lord God, who live for your glory. We want to be people who confess that we need you every day, every hour. So God, we pray that you would equip us, that you would encourage us, that you would build us up, Lord God, that you would unleash us for the mission that you have for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Again, going back to verse 1, it says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. Picture this, the crowd, the people, the masses are pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God. This is a, a good thing. Imagine if crowds gathered together from, from outside the walls of the church to, to hear the word of God. The word of God that gives life. The word of God that gives hope in hopeless situations. The word of God that, that makes the dead people rise from the dead. They are clamoring, they are pushing on Jesus to hear this word of God. But what's interesting is in verse 2, and he sees two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. What's interesting is that these two fishermen are Andrew and Peter. And this is not, it's not as though they didn't know who Jesus was. If you go back to John 1, verse 45, John the Baptist was with his disciples, two of his disciples. And Jesus walks by and he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And the two disciples begin to follow Jesus. Jesus turns around and says, what are you seeking? And they say, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And they spent that day with him. One of those two disciples is Andrew. Andrew, after that day with Jesus, goes back and finds his older brother, Peter, Simon. And he says, yo, we found the Messiah, Christ, that we've been waiting for. Come and meet him. And he brings him to Jesus. And Jesus looks at Simon. He says, Simon, you are, you are the son of John. You shall be Peter, which means the rock. Jesus looks at Simon and looks beyond who he is right now, an irrational, impatient person. He speaks hope and promise and a future into his life. Those two brothers, those two disciples now follow Jesus for a number of days. They would have been at the wedding in Cana of Galilee when the water, when the wine turned, ran out. And Mary, Jesus' mother, comes to Jesus and says, yo, what are you going to do about this? And Jesus takes 40 big tubs of water and he, and he turns it into wine. Andrew and, and Simon Peter would have been there. They would have seen this miracle happen. Not only that, Luke chapter 4 has a story that Jesus is in Simon Peter's house. <laughs> He's hanging with Simon. And, and Simon Peter's mother-in-law is sick, and, and Jesus heals his mother-in-law. So why now are we in Luke chapter 5, and, and the crowd is pressing in on to hear the word of God from Jesus, and yet the two disciples are nowhere to be found? Why, why aren't they clamoring to hear the word of God? And isn't this the reality for us? 
that when we first come to Christ, we're flipping through the pages of scriptures. We're eating it up. It brings joy to our lives. And then somehow down the road, it becomes mundane to us. It becomes normal to us. It becomes old to us. Oh, I've, I've read that story before. Oh, I've heard that before. And it doesn't bring joy to us in the same way. Interesting reality again to live with is that while the crowd is pressing in to hear the word of God, the disciples aren't. The disciples are busy washing their nets. And so a question I have for us today is what keeps us from Jesus? I'm not asking what keeps the world from Jesus. I'm talking about what keeps disciples from Jesus? What keeps the people of God from Jesus? What keeps those who have heard from him before, who have seen his miracles, who have walked with him, who spent time with him from Jesus? <laughs> what keeps us from Jesus? I think there's a couple of thoughts that I see in this text. Is one is that we have things, we have other things of more significance or more importance, or at least this is what we think in our mind. And here, what was more important to these two fishermen, these two brothers, was washing their nets, was their business, was their work. And it got in the way of them sitting at the feet of Jesus, them hearing the word of God. A second thing I see, what I, I think could be happening is here, is that Simon and Andrew could have easily said, oh, Jesus is teaching again. He's teaching that message we've heard before. I've heard that story already. I don't need to hear it again. I've heard the gospel before. I, I need to move on to bigger things, to greater things, to deeper things. And so we miss the simple words of Jesus Christ. Church brothers and sisters, let nothing keep us from Jesus. Let not our, our, our things in life, the things that we deem as important, get in the way of Jesus. For there is many good things in life, but there's only one great thing in life. Yes, we need to work. Yes, we have family to take care of. Yes, we need rest. Yes, we need, we need a lot of things. We, we, we go after a lot of things, but when these things become more important than Jesus, they're in the wrong order. And don't ever come to a place where you think you've heard it all before, where you think you've arrived Run to Jesus. Another thing I want to point out here is, is a beautiful fact of the gospel. Is that here when Andrew and, and Peter don't pursue Jesus, guess what? Jesus pursues them. Jesus comes after them. When we don't come to Jesus as the people of God, Jesus will come to us. And we see this, look in verse 4 or verse 3. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's. Notice this, Simon was done. He was out of the boat already. He was washing his nets, and, and, and Jesus doesn't ask Simon, hey, hey, can I get in your boat? Can we hang out? No, no, Jesus just shows up. And this is what Jesus would do with his children, his children who try to run from him, his children who try to avoid him. He's going to show up, and he's going to be right there. And you're like, Jesus, where did you come from? Jesus gets in the boat. He asked him, in verse 3, to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And so Jesus uses Simon's boat 
as almost a podium of sorts, as a stage of sorts, to kind of create a little distance for the crowd who's pressing in on him. The crowd who, who wants to hear the word of God. He gets in the boat, he asks Peter to push out a little from the water, and now he preaches again to the crowd. God's heart is for the world. God's heart is for those outside of the church. God's heart is for the crowds. Our hearts should be for the crowds as well. Our hearts should be for those outside of the church as well. So Jesus teaches the crowd. And look at verse 5, and, and Simon answers, or, or verse 4, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, as a professional fisherman, he said, Master, we, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. So Jesus asked Simon, okay, now I want you to put out into the deep. And, and this Sea of Galilee, this, uh, this lake of Gennesaret, as it's called here, is, is a relatively large lake, about 11 miles high and, and about 7 miles wide. So this is not just a row out a little further into the water. This is, I want you to row out a couple miles into the deep. I want you to go out a ways. And, and, and Simon, Peter, is, is thinking, yo, hey, Jesus, let me tell you something right here. Like, you're a great teacher, and, and you do that miracle stuff pretty good, but, but you don't know my life. You don't know my situation. Like, listen, I'm the fisherman. <laughs> I'm the one who knows about this part of the world. I'm the one who knows that, hey, you don't go out into the deep to catch fish. The, the fish are, are, are along the edges because the bigger fish are trying to catch the smaller fish who are, who are eating from the plants. And so if you want to catch fish, you got to be closer to the shore because there's no food in the deep. The fish don't hang out there. And listen, Jesus, also, we were out there all night, and right now the fish just ain't moving. They ain't doing nothing right now. So let's pack up our bags, and we'll come back out tomorrow to do this. Simon thinks he knows what's going on, and yet Jesus calls him to push out into the deep. And, and he says, okay, we, we caught nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. Because you say so, Jesus, I will do it. We're not going to catch nothing. But if you want me to do it, I'll, I'll follow. My second, my first question was what keeps us from Jesus? My second question that I want to ask us, I want us to wrestle with, is what keeps us from obedience to Jesus? And there's a couple of thoughts I have here from this text again. One, what keeps us from obedience is that the thought that we know better. Again, Jesus, you know about heaven and you know about heavenly things. But you don't know my struggle. You don't know what's going on in my life. You, you, you're telling me to love this person, but you don't understand how this person has treated me. You don't understand how this person has abused me, how this person has, has talked down to me, how, how this person stabbed me in my back. <laughs> Jesus, you, 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 you're telling me to leave this job for this job, and you don't understand. Like, this job pays a lot more. And we think that we somehow know better than the creator of the universe, the one who, who spoke all things into existence, and it was. The one who knit us together in our mother's wombs. So what keeps us from obedience? <laughs> the idea that we know better. The second, 
thought that I have is, is I could, again, hear in Simon's voice that he's tired. He was out all night doing what he knows to do, doing what fishermen are supposed to do. He cast the net out and brought it in and no and he, he cast it out again and brought it in and no fish. He cast it out again and pulled it in no fish several hours later. And, and, and now it's time to go home. It's time to go to sleep. He's tired. How many times do, do we get tired? <laughs> that we, God, we've been obedient to you over and over again. We've done what we're supposed to do. I, I go to church every Sunday. I, I, I've read your scriptures every morning. I've prayed. I, I, I've stayed away from that person you told me to stay away from. I, I, I'm doing what you've called me to do, and, and we don't see the results that we want to see from it. And so we grow weary of doing good. How many know that... <laughs> When God calls for obedience, he calls for obedience long-term, and, and he knows what he's working out. In the Old Testament, he, he tells Abram and Sarah, who never had a kid in their old age, you're going to have a kid. That promise doesn't come forth for decades later. And Abraham and Sarah get tired of waiting on God's promises. And so they come up with their own plan. And Sarah, the wife, says, hey, why don't you go into Hagar, my servant? This is, would be a great idea have a child. And that doesn't end up well, does it? Look, our, our ways never end up well. When God calls for obedience, he calls for obedience long term. Whether we see the results from it right away or not, he calls for faithfulness, he calls for obedience. When he called Noah to build the ark, it wasn't simply a, 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 a week-long project or a week long. It was a 120-year project where Noah never saw rain for 120 years. People mocked him. People laughed at him. What are you doing, you foolish old man? And yet, 120 years later, the storms come. Again, God calls, calls for obedience long term. When Jesus steps into our boat, when Jesus comes into our lives, he expects to become the captain of the ship. He's not there for a ride as we go where we want to go. He's not there for us to give him a scenic tour of the lake. When he says go, we go as the people of God. Even if it makes no sense to us. God, you for real? This is what you want me to do? <laughs> this is what you're calling me to do? It makes no sense, but at your word, I will obey. At your word, I will follow. Look at verse 6, the, the response, the, the, the fruit of obedience. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. God always comes through. God always fulfills his promise. Listen, there's going to be times where, where we obey God out of great joy. And there's going to be times where we obey God out of, out of frustration and even doubt. Here, even though Peter obeyed him in doubt, God still answers. God still comes through. He still fulfills his promise. They enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. So verse 7, they signaled to the partners in the other boat to come and help them. And, and they came and filled both the boats so that they both began to sink. When God comes through, he comes through. 
comes through in abundance. He comes through beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. He fills both the boats so that they began to sink. Look at verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Peter, Simon Peter, sees Jesus and comes to realization, Jesus, I didn't believe in you. Even though I knew you, even though I saw you turn the water into wine, even though I saw you heal my mother-in-law, even though I heard your teachings, I didn't believe in you. I'm a sinful man, oh Lord. And this is the reality of everyone in this room. That if we're real with ourselves, we understand that we're sinful people. And we deserve the judgment of God upon our lives. We doubt him. We disobey him. We ignore him. We do our own things. And the beauty here is that while Jesus could have judged Simon, he doesn't. And he tells him, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Do not be afraid. For the one who is able to judge you because of your sin is not going to. The one who could judge you because of your sin is going to take upon the judgment himself. He's going to bury it himself. You were the disobedient one, Simon Peter, but I'm going to take it. You were the one who doubted, but I'm going to take it. You were the one who rebelled, but I'm going to take it. And Jesus Christ, in a few years from this point, will, will go to a cross and take upon the sins of Simon and take upon the sins of Andrew and take upon the sins of you and myself upon that cross. And he will say, it is finished. Our sins are paid for. Our sins are washed away. We've been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, those who have accepted that, those who have received it are now children of God. And not only does he invite us into his family, he gives us a mission to participate with him. He doesn't say, you can just sleep in my house now, you can eat from my food, but now he says, everything I have, you have. And th this mission that I have of renewing all things, you can participate in. You see the brokenness of the world around you? You could have a part in, in renewing it, of restoring it, of pointing people to the truth, to the same gospel message that you have received, that you have come to know. This is us. Not only have we been forgiven, but we've been given a mission to participate in. So the first question I ask is, what keeps us from Jesus? The second question I want us to ask answers what keeps us from obedience. And then this third and final question is this. What keeps us from his mission? What keeps us from doing what he has called us to do and becoming fishermen of people? One I would take away from here is that it's hard work. It's hard work. Simon had a road a couple miles to the middle of the lake. It's not easy after he was tired. He had to cast his net back into the waters. It's not easy after he just finished cleaning them and was calling it a day. It's hard work. 
It means changing our priorities. It means changing the schedules that we have. It means maybe waking up earlier in the day. It means maybe staying up a little later. It means maybe cutting out a TV show that we love watching. It means sacrifice. It means, means giving of some of our wealth for the poor. It means being hurt and yet still loving. It means being walked on and yet still offering up ourselves to others. Listen, if anyone knows hurt, if anyone knows pain, it's Jesus. And Jesus walked with his disciples. He, he loved on them. He washed their feet. He, he fed them. He, he, he talked with them. He hung out with them for three years, and, and yet Judas betrays Jesus Christ. And that didn't catch Jesus by surprise. It's not like he woke up one day, oh, I can't believe that happened. Like, no, no, Jesus knows all things. And yet he still loved Judas. And listen, ministry is hard work. It gets dirty. Because you're going to share the gospel with someone and they're not going to receive it. You're going you're to love on somebody and they're going to hurt you back. That's the reality. And yet, our, 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 do we believe the promise of God? Do we, do we believe that yet God will work through our efforts? <laughs> that God will work through us. Also, I, I believe there's a sense of, of understanding that we don't feel qualified. <laughs> I can imagine Simon saying, okay, I, I know about fishing, but I don't know about <laughs> catching people. I don't know about this work. Like, I don't really know the Bible like that. I don't really understand how to do this with somebody else. What if they have questions that I can't answer? How many feel disqualified for the work of ministry? How many of us feel disqualified for fulfilling the mission of God? I believe if we're real with ourselves, we all do. Well, we don't know what to say. Well, we don't know what to do. Yet Jesus will always qualify those whom he calls. He will always equip those whom he sends. He will fill us. He will equip us to do the work. So even though Simon feels unworthy, Jesus awakens him. Again, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. You who once caught fish will now be catching men. You will awaken the dead to life in Jesus Christ. You will give life to others. Verse 11, And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Imagine this. They left everything and followed him. They just had the biggest catch of their lives. They had two boats full of fish, and this is not a hobby to them. This was their livelihood. They, they, they could have been wealthy people right now. They could have been thinking, oh, Jesus, just let us sell this fish first. Let us cut this check first, and then we'll come follow you. 
Or Jesus, let us go, let's go rest for a little bit and then we'll come follow you tomorrow. But no, it says immediately when they came to the shore, they, they left everything and followed Jesus Christ. Because they saw in Jesus Christ an individual who was more concerned with them than he was with the wealth of this world. Imagine if you had the power of Jesus and you could cause all this fish to be caught. Well, you could cause whatever you want to happen, happen. You could play in the stock market and, and you know where the stocks are going to go. You could be the wealthiest person of, of, of the world. And yet Jesus is not caught up with that. Who is he caught up with? He's caught up with Simon. He's caught up with Andrew. He's caught up with James. He's caught up with John. He's caught up with people, with individuals. Think about people in your life, names that you know, faces that you identify with every day, whether in your neighborhood, whether at your work, whether in your family, people that God has called you to be on mission for, to, to show them a brighter way, a better way, a, a more excellent way, to show them hope in Him. And yet we ignore those opportunities because of the things of this world. The, thing, the gifts of this world that God has given us to enjoy, but not to rule over us. And yet we become ruled over by the wealth of this world, by, by the, the business of life. And we miss, on the, miss out on the bigger mission that Jesus invites us to, to be fishers of men. A few closing thoughts as we come to an end here. Again, in order to catch fish, you have to go fishing. Kind of makes common sense, right? In order to catch fish, you have to go fishing. If, if, if we're people who have received the gospel message and we don't pass it on to anybody else, if we've never shared the gospel with somebody else, then it's no surprise that no one has come to Christ through our lives. In order to catch fish, we have to go fishing. When was the last time you shared the gospel with someone? When was the last time you met with someone over coffee or lunch break and, and, and you opened up the scriptures to them? When was the last time you invited someone into your home to talk about the gospel? Second, in order to catch fish, you have to go where it's uncomfortable. You have to go where it's uncomfortable. Again, God, Jesus asked Peter to go out into the middle of the lake, to go into the deep. It's not easy. Again, we have to make sacrifices for this. But the sacrifices are always worth it. In order to catch fish, you have to listen to the voice of Jesus. If we're not spending time with Jesus as children of God, then we will never be equipped, we will never be encouraged for the mission that God has given us. Do we carve out time to be with Him, to read His Word, to call out to Him in prayer, to hear His voice? Or again, as the, the schedule of this world choked it out, we, we, we think, oh, we, we, we know everything in the Scriptures already. We don't need that anymore. 
In order to catch fish, you need the help of others. And Andrew and James caught such a, or Andrew and Peter caught such a great amount of fish that they had to cat, call their, their friends over, James and John, to come help them. Listen, God has given us a family of support systems. He has given us one another. Look around the room. These are your brothers and sisters. You're going to grow weary. You're going to grow tired. You're not going to feel encouraged. And, and you need one another to encourage you in those moments. But if you don't open up your life for people to know you, if you're only encounter with people in this church is on Sunday morning saying a quick hello during refreshment time, that's not going to get you through. We need to live life with one another. We need to be in each other's homes and each other's lives. In order to catch fish, you have to be willing to go back out. To go back out when, when it, you weren't successful the last time. When you shared the gospel with somebody and they didn't receive it. When, when you prayed for somebody and they, they didn't respond to it. You need to be willing to go back out again and again and again. In order to catch fish, you have to get in the boat with Jesus. <laughs> you have to get in the boat with Jesus. Jesus invites you to experience life with him. And if you have not yet <laughs> received Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your Lord, <laughs> if you have not submitted your life to his call for you, <laughs> Jesus invites you today to do that. That his life is better. He wants to be the captain of your life. Here in this passage, again, Jesus offers up himself. He offers up himself to you and to me. He offers us to go on a ride with him into the deep to join him on the mission of making all things new, to heal the brokenhearted, to bind the wounds of the hurting, to speak an encouraging word to those who felt forsaken, to offer the gospel message that there's nothing you could do <laughs> to save yourself. There's nothing you could do to overcome the evil that you've done. Yet Jesus offers himself. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. Join me. Are we ready for this mission? <laughs> Will we join him on this mission of making all things new, of becoming fishers of people? Father, we come before you. And God, I, I know my own heart. My own heart is prone to wander. Prone to leave the God I love. God, I often think that, that I, I got my life figured out. I know what I need to do. And God, you call me out into the deep. You call me out to experience life with you. God, I pray that I would be obedient to this call. God, as, as, as I go about my day, God, I pray that I would speak your truth. God, as I go about my day, God, I pray that I would sacrifice for your kingdom. 
God, as I go about my day, Lord God, I pray that I would, I would spend time with you. God, that I would desire to hear the word of God. God, that your word will give life to my soul. God, I pray that I would be engaged in your mission. God, I pray that my life would no longer be just about myself. Lord God, my life will be lived for your glory. God, that my life will be lived to bring healing to the nations. So God, use me. Use us, Lord God. On our block today, use us at work this week. Use us amongst our family, Lord God. God, I pray that all the praise and all the glory might go to you. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.